Amen. As we work on our music, praise the Lord. I want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers. God bless you on today. Join us as we worship our awesome God today. Welcome to Zion Baptist Church, the greatest loving church in the world.
Oh. Uh-huh. 
reading from the New Living Translation to verse 41. So God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected when they demanded, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Through the, though the angel who appeared to him in the burning books, God sent Moses to be their ruler and savior. And by means of many wonders and miraculous signs, he led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, and through the wilderness for 40 years. Moses himself told the people of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Moses was with our ancestors, the assembly of God's people in the wilderness, when the angel spoke to him at Mount Sinai. And there Moses received life-giving words to pass on to us. But our ancestors refused to listen to Moses. They rejected him and wanted to return to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us some gods who can lead us, for we don't know what he has become, what has become of this Moses who brought us out of Egypt. So they made an idol shaped like a calf, and they sacrificed to it and celebrated over this thing they had made. Then God turned away from them, abandoned them to serve the stars of heaven as their gods in the book of the prophets. It is written, was it not me you were bringing sacrifices and offerings? during those 40 years in the wilderness of Israel. Praise God for his word. Amen. You may see. Break every chain, break every chain, break every 
Father, we pray that you enlighten us with your word, enlighten us with your power, enlighten us with your spirit, uh, that we will grow to be the women, the men, the children of God you called us to be. Help us, Almighty God, to walk in the purpose you created us and shaped us and formed us for, we pray. Amen. 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 This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it again. Thank you so much for able to join us in person. And again, happy Father's Day. To all of our fathers, on this moment, on this time, as we talk about, again, overcoming our circumstances and our, and our conditions, we're in Acts 7 chapter now, when we see how, again, Stephen was preaching this message to the children of Israel, basically how they have rejected Christ, and how in rejecting Christ, he's saying to them, this is nothing new, you rejected prophets in the past, and he gives us great a sermon Featuring now on us now on Moses, how they even rejected Moses, who brought them out of Egypt and was leading them into uh, the promised land. And so as we look at this, may we continue to see how God, our father, knows best. 
picking up on that, that title, many of us may be familiar with that title of that radio show that became a TV show in circa 1950s that featured a father that always gave sage great advice uh, to his children and then they had a happy ending in the end. We love TV shows, right, that always had the happy endings. In the end, you can sit down, feel good about yourself, say, man, won't my life be like that? And then we wake up into reality and realize that everything does not get solved in 30 minutes. But yet our God, who is good, tell your neighbor, our God is good, will always do what's good for us in our life. But the problem that we may have the same as in TV, it may not be done in 30 minutes. Uh, may not be done in an hour, may not be done if you binge a week on the weekend. Uh, but I'm encouraging you to understand that God still is good and his time is always his time. We talked about it a little bit last week. Remember how God's timing is his timing. He moves when he's ready. Anybody glad that God moves when he gets ready? Because when he gets ready, guarantee it's going to be so enough good and awesome and magnificent for our people. And so here in the situation we look in life, there's a lot of temptations, a lot of issues, a lot of struggles that we deal with that we want to turn to God who knows best. A God that can give us wisdom, a God that can give us advice because he can help us to make the best decisions in our life. Hence how that TV series Father Knows Best is basically based upon the knowledge of a, of a father that has wisdom, that has lived experiences, able to impart this to his children and help them to be successful in their life. That's just like a God, our Father, who wants us to be successful children because he created us to be good. He created us to do his will, but he understands, just as any father, any mother, any parent understands, that still the children are going to do what they're going to do. I got a few amens out there. That you can tell them everything that is right, but they still might do everything that is wrong. And so here in the same situation, we're going to look at this text, how even God still loved them, provided for them, and cared for them, even when they rejected him. And what we look in this text is that how they rejected God, they rejected Moses. By rejecting Moses, they rejected God. But yet God still protected, provided, and cared for them in the wilderness for 40 years. Can somebody say 40 years? That's a long time. And so here it is that the enemy would want you to believe that life is always better for what you already know. When God is trying to tell you life is better for what's ahead. See, we get caught up with our past experiences becoming our truth. And we hold on to that truth, not trusting that somebody else might know something more than what we know. I, I know this because as I think about fathers knows best, I could think how my dad did not know anything. My dad would tell me what to do. I'd say, Dad, that's not cool. That's not going to work out. As a matter of fact, I, I felt embarrassed every time my dad would come pick me up after school. i like, Dad, you're not cool. Don't pick me up. I'll, I'll walk down the block so don't get in the car. But now I talk to my dad every day, tell him how cool he is. It's amazing how, as a kid, I think I know best. But Father truly did know best. My father always laughs now and says, uh, I was right all along, huh, Sam? I said, yes, Daddy, you were right. It's amazing how God gives us room to grow and mature, just as my father gave me room to grow and mature because God knows what's best, but also God knows that sometimes he just won't get it right the first time. And so here it is. The enemy wants us to not to get it right. He wants us to stay wrong. Y'all catch that? The enemy does not want us to get right. He wants us to stay wrong. He wants us to stay in the mess that we're in. He wants to stay in the predicament that we're in. He does not want us to take hold and reach out and grab the promises the Lord has for us. And so when we look in our text today, uh, we find Moses being rejected. And here's why Moses is being rejected, that they'd rather stay in Egypt. Now, this is a funny thing. God called them, called Moses to save them from the mess that they're in. God chose Moses to go back. To the same people who have rejected him. He, the, the Lord called him to, do, to be greater than the people that are rejecting him. Y'all catch that? The Lord called him to rise above their pettiness and be the leader he calls them to be. Another way he's saying that God told Moses to grow up. Y'all quiet on me. Sometimes in our lives that we got to be the mature ones when others going to be immature. You could tell somebody what's right, but they're not going to do it. You don't have to stomp and go home mad to say, hey, I did my best. 
Moses had to go up and face them and love them and care for them because he was being a vessel of God the Father, showing how to love children that may be up to no good. 735, Acts 7, chapter, verse 35. So God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected. And when they demanded, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush, God sent Moses to be their ruler and savior. Isn't that something? They said, this is who you are now. But God says, this is who you are. Let me help somebody out understand here how God the Father loves us better than the world loves us. Here's the situation. Oftentimes in life, children try to prove themselves to other people outside of their household. We want to change the way we look to fit in with somebody at school, with somebody that we like, with some organization, with some social club. We want to change. You want to get the clothes. You want to get the shoes. You want to get everything to fit on in, but you already fit in at home. You're quiet on you want to change your, your, your appearance just so that you could be accepted and liked by those who may reject you, those who may oppress you, by those who could care less about you, may not even let you into the house, but you always got a home at home, but that's the place you tear up the most. But here it is. God says, I'm going to send you to those same people. I'm, I'm going to send you basically because they don't know what's right, what's wrong. They don't understand uh, the plans I have for the most. I'm going to send you back. Even though they have rejected you as, as ruler and prince, but I'm saying that you are their ruler and their savior. God calls Moses to be ruler and savior. God has appointed him and given him authority to go and do great and mighty things. Here how we see how God gives him authority. Stephen says in verse 36 that this is the validation of who Moses is. And it said, verse 36 says, and by means of many wonders and miraculous signs, he let them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and through the wilderness for 40 years. I'm going to stick a pen there for a moment. Look, look closely what it says here. God gave Moses power and authority to do miraculous signs and wonders. Once you understand that this is the same way how they have authenticated Jesus' ministry. It says that Jesus acts. Second chapter, verse 22 says that the people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus, the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. Matter of fact, the church blew up in Acts, second chapter, verse 43 says, and a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and one. What I want to highlight here is that when God is a part of something, he will put his fingerprint on it that you will see miraculous signs and wonders. Moses was given power by God that when he was on that mountain, you go back in Exodus in the fourth chapter, when you're on that mountain, God tells him, get this stick. Get this stick. And he tells them, use what you got. Moses says, Lord, uh, how can I go back to Egypt? I don't know what to do. God says, use what you got. He says, what is in your hand? This is something special here. Because when he left Egypt, he didn't have anything in his hand. But he becomes a shepherd. He now has a staff in his hand. You see the symbol symbolism here? How is it that Moses now has a staff? Because he had to go in the wilderness to be trained, to learn how to lead God's people through the wilderness. And being a nomad in the wilderness, one of your best things you're going to be quick with is a staff. That's why we hear about this same kind of staff or this rod in the 23rd number of Psalm. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But it says that he leaded me. When he leads, it says, your rod and your staff. Moses has a rod and a staff that, that will protect and provide. Matter of fact, this same staff, he said, drop it down and, and it turned to a snake. He said, grab the tail and it turned back into a staff. And he took that same stick and it swallowed all the snakes in front of a pharaoh with that same staff. Then he said, look here, Moses, take your hand and put it in your bosom. And, and he took it out and it was leprous. He said, now put it back in your bosom. Put it out and it became whole. He was showing him that I'm going to give you power. To prove that there's nobody greater than me. When you go up, Moses, I'm going to give you all the, but here's this, here's this. Moses has all the power, he has all the authority, but he had the nerve to tell God, I'm not good enough. 
God, it says the Bible says we got angry with God. He said, all right, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Even though, you know, I made you. I made you. So I know you're good enough. But since you don't feel adequate enough, you got your brother that loves talking. <laughs> you can make him your mouthpiece. You'll be like God to him. So what I tell you, you tell him and he will say. Moses like, all right, good, good. That's good enough. That's good enough. But God does you know, not God done made a stick turn to a snake. He made his hand turn to leprosy. But that wasn't good enough. I, I need my brother. He said, your brother's on his way to meet you. Ain't that something? God said, I already had his word. Your brother's on the way to meet you. So here it is, miraculous signs and wonders. But now here's another thing. It says, it led them out of Egypt. Egypt is very important because Egypt is also symbolic of slavery, of bondage, and a place that you do not want to be in. Egypt can basically be symbolic to our life of sin, our life of Bondage, a life of not knowing how to be set free. The song we sing earlier, there's power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain that our Lord and Savior has come to redeem us and to set us free. But yet if we are still living in sin because we'd rather stay in the darkness than come to the light. You're living in bondage. You have the blinders on. You're being deceived by the enemy. And you are not walking in victory, but you're walking in defeat, not knowing you've already been set free. The enemy wants you to stay in Egypt. He wants you to stay where you are, not go where you should be. Because look what it says, not out of Egypt, but through the Red Sea. And that's something. So not even out of Egypt, but also through the Red Sea. That's the miraculous sign, right? That they walk on dry land through the Red Sea. I want you to get that biblical perspective, how they were descriptive enough to let you know they walked on dry land. Many of us know how water works. You put water on dirt, it turns to mud. It takes some time for it to dry. Some of us may be like me. You may be watering your grass. How hot it outside? Realize that it turns right back to hard rock after you put water on too. That's not a comfortable position. But yet God took an, a sea of water, moved it up, and dried it up that they can walk on dry ground all the way to the other side. And then he says, now catch this very clearly here, and through the wilderness for 40 years. Now, it did not take them 40 years to get to the promised land. But because of their disobedience, because of their rebelliousness, God had them wandering the wilderness for 40 years, going in circles. All because they wanted to go back to Egypt. I hope somebody out today. God, our Father, Wants you to go in a direction he's prepared for you, but don't get caught up. You try to go another direction and you're going to wonder why you're not where you should be. That's your fault. You wanted to go your way instead of going God's way. So now it's taking you longer to get, but you could have gone across the street. All they had to do is go across the street, but now they're not going around the block. They went out the back door, got on a plane and flew somewhere else. Just to come back to get to the other side. I'm telling y'all, y'all. It didn't take that long to get there. But yet because of their disobedience, it took them that long to get there. So this provocation of his ministry and God present with Moses. Notice Acts points out that it was the angel of the Lord through the angel of the Lord. And basically you could see his spiritual imagination because it says it was the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the burning bush. But yet the Bible clearly points out that it was a cloud by day and a fire by night of God's presence leading them and guiding them and guarding them. But he's pointing out to them that Moses' authority and power was not on his own because he was a man, but because of God has appointed him and given him power and authority. And he served as their leader for 40 years. Moses led them with great care in the wilderness. Moses, like a father, cared for his rebellious, the rebellious children of Israel. Uh, Moses had a job that was a thankless job, but it, it was not a blameless job. Y'all don't hear me? Moses took all the blame, but got none of the things. When things weren't going well, they let Moses know it wasn't going well. When things are going good, Moses didn't hear anything about that. But the Bible basically how they would murmur and complain in the wilderness. Nothing was good enough. They, he could make water out the rock. They weren't happy. Man that came out in the morning, they weren't happy. Birds delivered meat, they weren't happy. It was better in Egypt when we were in chains. We were making brick without straw. 
Watch out, somebody. But yet they were complaining, but yet now they want to go back. Moses was not alone. God was with him to help him to endure the hardship and the pain and the rejection of the people, the constant nagging, the constant murmuring, the constant complaining. But Moses endured this because God has called him to do a work. God was using Moses to show how a father cares for his children because he knows what's best for them. Even when they think they know what's best, he's going to show them this is what's best. Matter of fact, verse 38 shows that Moses was with our ancestors, the assembly of God's people in the wilderness. When the angel spoke to him on Mount Sinai and there Moses received light, giving words to pass on to us. He's pointing out here that the same Moses you rejected is the one that gave you the words you're holding on to now. Life-giving words. Words of our past. I'm pointing out that the one you have rejected has established the religion that you follow. The one that they, they neglected to follow after is the ones you have standing on the promise right now. Moses established the tabernacle worship you're so excited about that now became a temple by King Solomon. But yet God does not dwell there. Moses is representing the people before God. And then also he's representing God to the people. But however the people have rejected Moses, therefore they have rejected God. They love Egypt more than the promise. They love their past more than the promise of the future. Stephen in his preaching tells of their sins, of love of Egypt more than the love for their God. Jesus in the Gospel of John has made it clear how we need to be careful that we love darkness more than we love light. John 3.19 says, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, and their actions were evil. John 3.19, you know, that's 3.19. That's after verse 16, for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believes in our parents will have everlasting life. Verse 17 goes saying that he did not come that the world might be condemned, but the world might be saved. But then verse 18 says, but the world has already been judged because they love darkness more than they love the light. And that's verse 19. And this judgment is based on this fact. That God's light came into the world. But people love the darkness more than the light. And their actions were evil. See, God freely gives his love. But yet it's up to us to accept it and to receive it. They rejected it. Look, Acts 7, chapter verse 39 points out. Stephen continues to preach and proclaim. But our ancestors refused. To listen to Moses. They rejected him and wanted to return to Egypt. Now, background here, verse 40, it says, They told Aaron, Make us some gods we can who can lead us, for we don't know what has become of this Moses who brought us out of Egypt. Background here is that Moses has been up on the mountain of Mount Sinai. Receiving the law from God. Now, here's something here. They had to prepare themselves for the presence of God, so they knew He was coming. And so they had to sacrifice, they had to sanctify themselves and purify themselves so that when God showed up, they would be ready and they will gather around the mountain, but they could not touch the mountain because we know the mountain was holy ground. And God permitted Moses to come up on the mountain. Aaron and, and Joshua can only go so far, that, but they could still see the people. But then God showed up in a mighty cloud and thunder, and when he spoke, the, rock, the mountain roared and lightning and fire exposed themselves, and the people became shook and scared and said, God, you're too great. We love you, but stop talking to us. Um, lower it down and, and just talk to Moses. We be good. They were scared of hearing God talking to Moses that now God took them off speakerphone. And it became a personal conversation with Moses. Now Moses is up there receiving orally the word of God. And, and the Bible tells how God wrote him down onto his tablet to give to, to Moses. But while Moses was taking this time receiving this truth, this oral living word from God, the people became impatient. It's sort of like how, uh, fathers, you know how you might be taking your kids on vacation, and you know when they start getting impatient, they start asking those favorite questions. 
Are we there yet? Here the people of Israel don't see Moses. They're not in the promised land. And they're like, we need to see something to help us to get where we're going to be. So they tell Aaron, make us some gods who can lead us. Be careful how you could be so easily replaced with things that can't do anything for you. Be careful how we get consumed with stuff that can't do anything for us. Verse 21 says, so they made an idol shaped like a calf. And they sacrificed it and celebrated over these things. Now, when I highlight this, that verse 43 says this, that, you know, you carried your pagan gods, the shrine of Mala and the star of your god, Reverend, and the images you made to worship them. So I will send you into exile as far as way, away as in Babylon. What's happening here? I want to highlight here. While they were in Egypt, they were exposed to other gods. And some of the gods that were exposed to was Mala. Malik has a human body, but an ox as a head. And so here's the imagery that they build is a calf, like an ox. They've been persuaded that this God will be good enough. Let's make us this God that looks like an ox, looks like a bull, looks like a cow. And then even referent, also known as Saturn, is, is also related to also being as an ox or a bull in imagery. So here it is, the influence of their past is now impacting their present, that they will give credit to something that has no credit at all, of delivering them, of saving them, and bringing them out. But yet they desire after these things. It says that, and God turned away, verse 42, God turned away from them and abandoned them to serve the stars of heaven as their gods. In the book of the prophet is written, was it to me you were bringing sacrifice and offerings during those 40 years in the wilderness of Israel? No. You carried your pagan gods, the shrine of Mala, the star of your God, Rephraim, and the images you made to worship them. So I will send you into exile as far as way as Babylon. They loved what they knew more than a promise they did not see. They could not wait on the Lord and they could not wait on Moses. Becoming impatient made them make a God in an image of the idols they were trying to lead. They, the beautiful thing about this, when you think about it, is that God brought them out of Egypt. And God says that you will ask your neighbors and they will give you their gold and their jewelry. God set them up. You got nothing. You will leave with everything. And they make it out, but then they take that same gold they got from the Egyptians and now want to burn it up to make a graven image that reflects the God of their oppression. The God of the ones that abuse them, oppress them, and misuse them. And they want to call that, this is their God that has brought us out. But yet, our God is patient. He allowed them to do this. Psalms 81 and 2 says, So I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. This is to help us to understand that God gives us free will. And so you may fall and hurt yourself and injure yourself, but you can't blame God for our own rebelliousness, for our own uh, dependence on our own knowledge and wisdom that, and rejecting God's wisdom and knowledge because we think God does not know best, but we know what's best for us. And so rejecting this, they rejected God and they did not make it into the promised land. You know, I want you to understand this. Moses did not make it into the promised land. Aaron did not make it into the promised land. Only two that we know of made it into the promised land. Caleb and Joshua. One thing about Caleb, we know about Joshua in this book, but one thing about Caleb, it says that when Caleb conquered the area for his people, it said he had the strength he had 40 years ago. I just love reading that text to say how God gave us that much bigger and vibe for being faithful to God. All those times that in that 40 years of wilderness of trials and, and tribulations, God restored that youth to him when he was able to conquer and settle in the promised land with his plan. 
But yet, because of their disobedience, even Moses disobedience. Here's another thing, too, that God is, is fair and just. Everybody got one chance. They missed it that one time, God didn't make it. Moses was still good until he got mad. And he got mad that instead of speaking to the rock in anger, he struck the rock. But here's the situation. Because the people got on his nerves. He got mad at the people. He got mad at God's people. Y'all keep on murmuring and clamoring on me. Bam, here goes your wall. And God will let him know that you won't make it into the promised land. So his situation again, it says in 40 years, right, Moses. So Moses, 40 years, he was born as a basket case to go into the prince as a palace to now, after those 40 years, runs and live as a nomad in the wilderness as a shepherd. Married with two children, now the next 40 years, back in the wilderness, after he gets them out of Egypt. Only to take them as far as he could to pass it down to Joshua. What this is pointing out to us, that we want to be like the children of Israel, I'm sorry, unlike the children of Israel, we want to turn to God and receive the promise. Stephen in his preaching of this sermon is preaching for the repentance. And for the hearers to turn to God and not follow the footsteps of their ancestors, not follow the footsteps of those who rejected God, who abandoned God, who are suffering penalty from God, but yet know the mercy of God, the grace of God, the love of God. Knowing that your love for Egypt will only produce death, but your love of God will give you life and life more abundantly. Stephen, in preaching this message, is pointing out Moses as a type of Christ. To be a type of Christ means that he's a, a leading up to the one that is to come. That Moses was like Christ and one that God chose him to. God sent him. Three, God made him ruler and deliverer. But yet he's not like Christ because Moses died. Moses did not make it into the promised land. Moses has some shortcomings because he is man. But because God sent himself and clothed himself in flesh, he is king. He is God. He is prophet. He is priest. He is our redeemer. He is our savior. And also he's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the fulfillment of this message that Stephen is preaching right here. Stephen is preaching this message so clear and so eloquently and so convictional that once he says it, they get convicted so much they believe he's blasphemed. So they stoned him. For they did not want to believe that the Jesus whom they killed is who he says he is. But Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus sent by God the Father to redeem the world. Jesus was rejected so that we might be accepted by his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus defeating death has now given us the opportunity to have fellowship with him and know him through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Jesus frees us from Egypt, from our sin, from our bondage, from our chains. For what the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. So leave the darkness, leave Egypt, leave what has you bound. And stretch out towards the promise of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Walk in that promise. Walk in his comfort. Walk in his peace. Walk knowing that even when we might mess up, even though we might reject it, even times we might mess up, know that our God still loves us and cares for us. Notice in the rebelliousness, God was still with them in the wilderness. Caring for them. Here's a beautiful thing. That our God still wants to reward us, but yet don't remove all the rewards you can get. Tell you never get everything. God will allow us to have what he has for us, but yet he can withhold. Watch out somebody. If you want to see this in the text, just look how God told Saul. When Saul was rejected, he let him know you could have been king. But because you rejected me. You won't have nobody else on the throne. And he chose David. David could have had built the temple, but because he, his sin, Nathan says, you the man. 
You got too much blood on your hands. You can't build it, but your son Solomon will. What I want to point out here is that God wants what's good for us, but yet we can't get what's good for us, so we don't do what's good. So seek what is good. You want to know the Father, but to know him is to love him. To love him is to serve him. To serve him is basically to obey him. Service is not singing. Service is not just coming to the place of worship. But service includes singing. Service includes coming to the place of worship. But service also means how I love and treat my brothers and sisters in Christ. Service also means how I humble myself before the Lord in his presence. Service also means I don't try to please people outside of the house. I want to please the Father in the house. Because God, you know best. So Father, forgive me for the times I made it about me. Times that I've been selfish, times that I've been rebellious, times that I've tried to do everything else. I tried to go back to Egypt because I thought I had so much fun in Egypt, but realized there was nothing but pain in Egypt. But I found out, God, you know what's best for me. So, Father, lead us further into your presence. Let us pray. Mighty God, we're grateful that you'll never leave us nor forsake us unless you forever call us. And, Father, we thank you that you truly are omnipotent. You're omniscient and you're omnipresent. You're all-powerful, you're all-knowing, and you are everywhere. So help us, O oh God, in our times of life that we feel forgotten, we feel left out, because we're looking for other people to bring us to only where you can bring us to. Forgive us, O oh God, for those times of placing that faith in you. But Father, we thank you for awakening us today, reminding us today that you are forgotten and you are unbothered. And you love us and care for us. Now, Father, Lord, I pray that someone who does not know Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray they can confess with their mouth and be in their heart. Jesus died on the cross for the sin that they shall be saved. And Father, be so mindful to be all the glory, to be all the honor. Lord, I pray that they can find a Bible believing, Bible preaching, Bible teaching the church, where they can grow and be disciples, and be also the children of God. May they be powerful, mighty men and mighty women of God. Thank you out there for joining us on Facebook, YouTube, and Zion's webpage. You can continue to join us. You also can uh, give all your offering online as well. You can join us on the app and give through there at ZionBCPeoria.com. Until we meet again, know that Jesus loves you and so do I. God bless you.